Well, hello there. You're listening to On Air with Adrian. This is an uncensored podcast. Join me as I explore exceptional cocktails, culinary delights, lifestyle trends, and inspiring personalities, and how they shape our daily lives. Now, before we get started, grab yourself a drink and join me on this incredible journey. On today's episode, we travel to Tokyo, Japan for a very special guest. He is the head bartender at Virtue, also beverage operations at the Four Seasons in Tokyo at Otimachi in Japan. The legendary. Now, I say this word a lot, but this one, he's a fucking legend. Keith Motsi, welcome to On Air with Adrian. How are you, sir? Konnichiwa. Great to be here, finally. Now, thanks for having me for a chat. You know, it's, uh, I wanted to connect with you for a very long time, and we finally made it happen. So thanks for having me and I'm privileged to be one of your guests. I know you've held a lot of uh, highly regarded guests on your cast before. So thank you for having us and thanks for paving the way and telling our stories. I love it. That's what I aspire to do. Share more stories. And uh, let's just start off by saying, Keith, people see you in these elegant jackets. You have a red one and a blue one. How do you decide which one to pick every day? Uh, Just which one is clean and ready to roll out. (laughs) You have a few of each one, right? You told me you have like four or five pairs of each one. Yeah, I've got the, I still have my white jackets, which are, are here. So I pretty much have the Korean flag, really. The red, white, blue, and navy blue. So, you know, I, I've got quite a few of those. The blue, usually I kind of now wear when I'm sort of riding on the subway to work because people stare less. Mm. The red is a bit more like oomph. In your face. <laughs> yeah, I love it sometimes, you know, just uh, to be like, okay let's get people thinking it's only like four minute train ride but it's like okay let's get them thinking a little bit sparkle their miserable lives you know well their miserable (laughs) days (laughs) that a breath of fresh air in the morning before we talk about present day keith motzi let's quickly take it back a little bit to 2007 when you were working at jake's bar in leeds which is where you're from that experience how did it sort of pave the way to where you are now the learning curves because it was not only you who worked there you mentioned uh, Schofield was from there a couple of people who worked at the American bar all graduated through that they went through the same pathway no you know it's like I think um, the industry is seen generally sort of in um, in the UK is almost skewed towards London right so there's a lot of great bars outside of London like we mentioned the Schofields um, you know they're doing great things in Manchester and Jake's we were saying that bar is still pretty much there over the years like last time over 16 years ago I worked there the place is still still going strong so you know there's a longevity over there and it's a great sort of hub for a lot of young bartenders in the Yorkshire region to sort of go and learn. I mean, it's fast paced. It's not for everybody. Back then, there was kind of no batching. And the aim for me, because I couldn't serve alcohol, was, you know, to be the best glass collector slash best bar back there is. It's still the aim today. I'm still trying to be the best glass collector and the best bar back pretty much uh, in the world. You know, that was always the aim. So, you know, any job you do, try to be the best at it. You know, it wasn't the most glamorous of jobs. 
But honestly, me personally, at the time, I loved it. You know, I was still in school. I was earning some money. And uh, I got to down a lot of Jaeger during the weekends, pretty much for free. Times have changed now. You know, it's crook days now. But, you know, it was very different. And for me, it was like uh, the environment just seeing, you know, it's a lot of people kind of celebrating milestones, whether they've graduated, got married, got engaged. A lot of people met their partners there. So, you know, I always liked to look after people and that environment for those few hours in a week was just like it was electric when you sort of got down the basement down the rabbit hole and everyone's worries seemed to be left out of the door working from jake's to when you had your jobs out in london what were some of the things that clearly stood out to you when it came to drinking cultures from london to leeds for me it was a bit different you know i always say that's one of the great things here sort of with landers you almost have then two what we do you almost have two different well there's different bartenders right so you have the pubs in the uk these are your mainstay they've been there a long time i'm not sure what they're like now cocktail culture but they were great to sort of have a pint you know they're an institution then you obviously had kind of your hotel bars which you know at the time back then is like awards and stuff were starting to coming through and there again a lot of history was always there with the american bar connot and then you also had your independence you know like happiness forgets and the trailer happiness which is still going strong and, you know different styles of bartenders and then i sort of came in straight into almost like the hidden one of this industry you know you have your bartenders working in members clubs those are the ones that people never sort of noticed were there but we were there because members clubs were you know members only so not everybody had access to those you know you couldn't meet a lot of the industry people because they didn't have membership or it was just different people so you know that was almost like a closed circle different circles and I was sort of rolling in the members clubs you know we were there but we're kind of not there if it makes sense very interesting times indeed yeah fast forward 2017 you found yourself in Beijing in China which is a very interesting move compared to being in Leeds and being in London how did that move happen I so it was like it was 2016 when um, the members club I was working in uh, the original one sort of closed for a refurbishment so I kind of just buggered off and just went you know on my jollies went traveling and then 2017 I got connected with Chris Lauder he opened Charles H back in 2015 and he just moved to Beijing to work for Proof and Company and this big first big project was we ended up being four seasons and he was looking for someone you know to make the jump again he kind of convinced me i just said you know because at first he was very skeptical you know didn't really know much about china sort of east asia but at the end of it i was like you know what f it why not you know let's do it that's how i make a lot of decisions you know it's like don't dwell too much i just kind of jumped into it and then you know i was in bermuda at the time it happened so quickly i didn't even have a time to think about it until i was on the flight like oh <laughs> i'm really on real. my way yeah. yeah you know you're like i'm really on my way here like <laughs> you're, broke, you're on the plane you're like oh shit <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> you know when you're like oh mom is there still a room available <laughs> kind of one of those like it happened so fast but mm. it's like um it happened you know we made the most of it but that's one of the things in the world i always say it's like there's more kindness in the world than there is cruelty right you know it's like uh, by the end of it it was a great decision you know it's like at the time 
time it's like okay is it a gamble maybe it was but again it was a great environment it was a great company and I had great people sort of helping me out and supporting me when I arrived there let's talk about that move when you happen to end up in China as a man of color and a foreigner as well don't see it very often that they get a head bartender's position particularly at some of these top cocktail bars so what was the initial couple of months like trying to settle in to Beijing on a personal level honestly I always say one of those things is that with them getting the positions like you say most of it is that people don't apply for it put it simply you know because even that position it took a while for it to get filled because nobody wanted to sort of go you know to the unknown or into Beijing so the opportunities are there just people are kind of you know a little bit hesitant or skeptical to sort of jump ship so I think that's always the first part you know if I I'll advise someone's like you know jump into it what's the worst that could happen it's not like we are going in the deep into the war zone here like you know we are quite lucky to be able to have choices to be able to move into some of these places with great benefits yeah for us it's like a, the great thing with china you know it's one of those places the same as in east asia it's like you go in you put your head down you work hard guess what people don't really see what you look like or your color you know if you work hard and then you don't make excuses people accept you for who you are if you go about being almost lazy and being you know complaining about what's wrong this that guess what people uh, won't take nicely to it so you know it was just adapting and sort of learning the ways and just like getting in there and just putting in the work did it take time to sort of get used to the local culture compared to uh, your time back in the UK let's talk about food for starters and also uh, the weather no i think food is like a, i think one of the great things with traveling you know i think anthony bourdain you know when you go somewhere different the food you know the food always hits differently right mm. <laughs> because everything is so new and so fresh it's like you're always kind of mentally stimulated if they make sense there's always something new so whether it's good or it's bad there's always you know an experience like an interesting experience so for sure the food again the food china is so big the food is so different that's why you know the foods in shanghai in chengdu in beijing you know you already have so much different cuisines just in one country so you know it's up to you to embrace it and find something that vibes with you exactly i mean again you could be one of those people who goes abroad and spend your time you know eating in british pubs or irish pubs yeah nothing wrong with that but you know it's like <laughs> you leave home to go chase the same thing you know <laughs> the whole point of it why would you leave home right you might as well just stay back exactly and there's no point complaining about it you know it's like you're talking culture that goes back I don't know how many years we are talking this is culture on top of culture so the best way about it is like a, how do you go how do you learn and how do you maybe pass on a little bit of what you know whilst taking in probably 95% of what's already there because at the end of the day we're only there to pass on a little percentage and maybe move on and maybe integrate and stay there yeah and a few years later Charles H the four seasons in Seoul South Korea came calling which brought with it another unique experience for you to not only explore South Korea's cocktail culture but you also had an incredible impact 
there picking up the bartender's bartender of the year award that was back in 2022 in Bangkok. Now, Keith, to receive that award being voted by your peers and your fellow bartenders and, and industry experts out there, what did that mean for you? Uh, so that one is, uh, you know, Korea was great. You know, the work was already down, you know, like people like Chris Lauda and obviously uh, Lorenzo uh, took over. You know, it's like they'd put in a lot of the groundwork and then obviously a lot of the Korean talent on the ground. If you look now, a lot of the bars in Korea on the top 50, they're pretty much Korean run, right? Korean owned yeah. and Korean run. And if you look at Southside, it's the guys, who, um, they're running it, but they've been there already 12, 13 years. So the work, you know, the work was already being done. And it's like, again, it's like, a, it was a great timing for myself. You know, Beijing was booming when I was arrived. I came on that threshold where the scene was already sort of on the way up. So, you know, it just came in, almost kind of got some of the glory, but, you know, it was sort of a whole team effort there because the scene in Korea is incredible, right? And it's maybe Korea was uh, becoming a trend thing as well. We're talking was Squid Game and BTS, Blackpink, you know, everything Korean is almost in trend. So I kind of benefited with that. I came in, you know, it was a great time to be there. You know, Korea has some of, probably some of the most talented individuals. And to be voted by friends, it just means as flavor of the month here. They would have forgotten <laughs> about me next year. <laughs> Nah. Next year they would have moved on, you know. Someone else would have come along. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like now. Nah, but again, you know, it was sort of work that we've done over the past. It wasn't just sort of um, the few years that was there. It's been what thirteen years in the making. I was already working in bars since I was seventeen. So you know, it's just like the work, you know, and just like uh, and one of the things I always say, what I find easy is like uh, just be nice, right? You know, it comes with one of those just being nice to everybody and just sort of learning the culture was great. Everyone sort of took me in like I was on their own, you know. Maybe because of COVID, we're all stuck together, mm. so there was a nice camaraderie there in Korea. You know, some of the most hospitable people. So it, for me, it was just like, hey, perfect. You know, everywhere I always say, everywhere where I am is home for me <laughs> yeah you mentioned the um the cocktail culture there but a lot of them really making big moves not only asia's 50 best the world's 50 best the example of Southside is with uh bobby and phil out there what a great job they've done thoroughly deserved and then you moved to virtue but for people like myself who've only tried your drinks not in japan but whenever you do your guest shifts give us a little introduction into what the bar is all about yeah so for us here you know it's um Again, Japan is, so uh, you know, it's a good timing. I arrived, what, July last year and the borders were, things were starting to open up. So it was already sort of like, uh, we opened this beautiful hotel in 2020 with these beautiful restaurants, these beautiful bars, but nobody had had the chance to sort of see what they were obviously people on the ground kind of saw what they were but they were not operating at their maximum capacity because of the regulations and everything in japan so it's like you know i arrived july and then we had three months to sort of just you know acclimatize myself and then october the borders fully open so i'd say really kind of our hotel everything has been fully open for just over one year 
So uh, the team had already been on the ground, you know, the team had put in a lot of the groundwork. It's like, hey, how do we maintain? How do we sustain? You know, I think it was a very tough time for everybody here in Japan, you know, and some of our team have been there already sort of from the beginning of the hotel, from the start. So they've been there from ground one, you know. So once the borders opened, we got the chance to showcase what we were doing. Mm. So, you know, I wouldn't say it was up to me. You know, if you look at the bar and everything, it's a beautiful space space we have talented people so it was just like um icing on the cake really. yeah i was just so, gonna say you were the icing on the cake <laughs> yeah exactly so, but you know you can still take me out and it's still gonna be delicious either way <laughs> so our concept you know so you kind of walk in you see sort of a tokyo meets paris you know you set the stage it's almost like this beautiful art deco the design the artists you can sort of see everything is very chic everything is very beautiful a lot of Japanese products, a lot of French products, you know, that's one of the nice things with being in Japan. As much as I love sort of China, Korea, if you look at the produce and what they have here, the whiskeys, the wines, the produce, you know, it's so far ahead, you know, you look on the bars, like there's so much to play with, you know. I'm sure Korea, China will get there eventually, probably very soon, but Japan has got such a long tradition with the kind of like the whiskey, the distilling, the alcohol, the food and everything you know it's there so there's so much to play with so you know our drinks mainly here we take inspiration from a lot of the japan with a little element of france you know hence a lot of the chartreuse a lot of french products the champagne but it's sort of intertwined you know japan's got a love for french culture so that was part of the reasoning to sort of go with the concept you know different drinks like one of our best sellers is just a user forward drink you know if you think of japan is so citrus so anything like that probably uses one of the citruses that jumps out for anyone anywhere around the world so you know what was the better place to sort of start with it's a combination of a, a yuzu gin and cognac so your main base is that japanese element with the yuzu gin and the yuzu juice yuzu extract yuzu bitter and then you have that cognac that takes a little bit of that edge that gives it a little bit of roundedness so that's just something very citrus and tart with a hint of sweetness you know that's always a nice palate cleanser or something we say you can start on and then we obviously have our martini that's just you know four parts japanese gin one part japanese vodka again the vodka takes off a little bit of the edge from the gin and gives it a little bit of texture two vermouths Lillet Blanc, and then you have dolin dry there's your part of france and then a little bit of the hinoki bitter bang you freeze it you know texture Tokyo, France, it's something you know, you recognize it's a martini, but there's a lot of nuanced flavors. You know, I like to lay a lot of flavors just so when the more you drink, the more sort of something comes out or the longer the drink sits. So Kate, you're having a great time in Japan from what, of course, I can see and I hear. And uh, social media is not the best gauge for this because there's a life outside it as well. But you travel a lot for work. How do you unwind when you're not bartending? You know, that's a good question. You know, I've been luckily here in Tokyo four seasons or too much. We have 10 days off per month. To put it in simple, 120 days off per year. It's a lot of time off. <laughs> That's quite a lot, you know, it's like, once you think about it, it's like, okay, there's a lot of time. So you have enough time to sort of um, have the day to yourself and then have a day where you can actually visit some of your friends, you know, the support and see what's happening and have 
pretty much another day, you know, because we do sort of two days off, three days off, two days off, three days off. So I usually like uh, that Wednesday night is like, a, I like to kind of go see friends, you know, at mm. the end of the day, you know, support is a lot of support uh, we get, we receive. I'm sure you see on social media. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, we want to pay it back. You know, it's like uh, at the end of the day, hospitality is sort of tough, especially what we do. It's almost 24 seven. So it's not the easiest, you know, but the ability to kind of switch off, uh, switch off all your emails and your teams, then work never finishes, right, is one of the life lessons I got taught. You can always be working, you can always be doing something, but when I'm off, I'm off. It's almost like it never ends. You mentioned um, support, and uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What have you noticed that's um, different when you compare the Japanese uh, bar community to the one out in South Korea, but also the one in China? Is is there any similarities or are they all very different? No, they're all very different. You know, it's like, um, because here, again, it's a different work culture. People live a little bit far. It's um, in Korea. It's like uh, after work, there's always a culture. You pretty much, there's always someone to go out and hit the soldier with, you know, it's like bars are open late night. Mm. There's literally like with your team, you know, eating out and going out in groups is quite a big thing, right? Whereas here, it's very difficult because um, late night you can stay out late night but if people miss their last trains they have to catch the first train home they live a little bit far taxes are probably what four or five times more what it costs you to get home than in seoul for the same distance you know so it's for example a taxi from incheon which is the equivalent of narita in korea will cost you about 40 50 bucks here it will cost you two three hundred bucks wow (laughs) and there's always kind of a lot of night buses as well right so it's very difficult to have that whole we can just all sort of every night, almost every second night, we can be out together, we can visit a lot of places. It's very hard. And a lot of the bars, you know, people work so much that sometimes they have one day, maybe two days off, you know, so we don't want that pressure of them of maybe their only day off. Like, you know, you don't want to have that resentment. Like, how come nobody ever comes to see us? Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, but they yeah. work probably six days a week. That's again, it goes back. We are quite privileged. We have 10 days off. Hmm. we can have that time to afford to go see and visit people you know again that's personally myself but also because we travel a lot as well so you know it almost becomes you know when you go to visit bars people think it's just going to sort of drink right to know it's going to learn the stories to meet the people of course to see people in their environment how natural you know, element or in exactly. your case in your uh, red and blue jackets Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is what <laughs> makes these people function, right? It's their yeah. passion. So it's always nice to see people kind of doing what they do best, right? You know, because some, a lot of bartenders, uh, what's so funny is like when you see them out in public, some of them are actually not that very comfortable mm. sort of outside. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, you know. A few, a few. I feel for the most part, the ones particularly we've met uh, during 50 Best and whatnot, we've seen everyone in their own element. So I think that's a little bit different but i can completely understand what you say when they're in the zone they're in the zone but away from it they might not be what you're expecting honestly 
in those elements, you know, it's like, I can tell you now it's probably putting on a show, you know, because you're surrounded by your peers, so you want to show your best. But I would say probably most of those people are what, introvert, extrovert. <laughs> I can tell you that now, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you can always tell on camera and stuff, which ones are very comfortable. Same as public talking, I would mm. say it's probably a handful who have a lot of the trainings to be able to do that. A lot of them, yes, they're comfortable because they're amongst their peers, but take them out of that group situation with other bartenders and put them with, uh, you know, different artists, maybe with chefs. And then a lot of them will probably be like rabbit in headlights, right? So <laughs> wait, for, wait for the ground to just open up and swallow them whole. Yeah, you know, because yes, those events are great, but you're also still with people who have the who same. You know, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's like take them out of that one, you know, go for that chili crab and someone who was very hyper is suddenly maybe a little bit more quiet and reserved mm. so you know outside the, you know that's putting on the show so a lot of people you know it's like a, i would assume there's a lot of homebodies with bartenders you know because we're also mentally stimulated when yeah. we work that you know those two days off you want you probably want one of the days just kind of pure bliss pure silence that's one of the things i like now with tokyo you were saying earlier you know i think you sent me a message like what music do you listen to yes when i first arrived in korea i used to find it weird so i used to work in silence before before we work, I used to try mm. to switch off volume, but it's the same here. Before work, Zen silence. As soon as the last guest is gone, music off silence. Because I remember when we were in Tropic City and you were doing the shift with Holly last year in Bangkok. When Man's Not Hot came up, you and your boxers and your jacket having this. No, those were swim trunks. Did you get it right? Those were swim trunks. Those were swimming shorts. I have those on. Whatever you say, whatever you say. Yeah, we don't want people thinking I was working stackers just before. <laughs> again, that one is like, a, again, you know, that's a different energy. Like Holly, you probably seen, you need that big mm. energy. It's like, um, you know, energetic. So you want to sort of prep yourself up for sort of one of those one-offs. Yeah. But you couldn't be able to do that five times, four times of a week. Not. Yeah, no. You sort of then crush and bend. But we sort of work pure bliss, pure silence. But also because I'm quite meticulous, you know, I like things to be almost proper, perfect, especially yeah. with uh, preps. You know, everything has to be kind of those two, three hours before we wake. I always think that's the, that's where all the hard work, you know, if you nail that, everything else is kind of easy. Yeah. If you sort of mess up a little bit there, then, you know, concentration goes a little here, a little there. And we all have different tastes in music. Yeah, of course. What's on your playlist uh, when you're prepping for work? Do you have some AirPods in and you're like, you know what? Zero. No, zero. Zen. Just silence. Zen. Oh, Just wow. pure Zen, pure concentration, pure silent. And you know, the music usually goes up. We open now 5.30, around 5.29, the music then goes in and we're ready to rock and roll. Fascinating. But before then and after, it's a full on, you know, if it was up to me, we'd probably be playing classical music just to get everyone pumped and hyped. Pure Zen, classical is like a, I, I don't really dictate that, you know, our team dictates it. They like pure Zen, they like silence. So I, I go with the flow. Is it tough working in silence? No, not at all. No, because you're fully concentration, right? It's mm. like a, music is, a, because I would say, you know, music for the gym or something, or when you're running, it's sort of to get you through the pain, right? Yeah. No pain, no <laughs> gain. Exactly. But before us, that one is, a, that's a different thing. In it's like, it's art, right? You're the Prep mode, you're, it's like a, you're very much, there's no pain there. You're just prepping yourself to get into the pain. 
Yeah, absolutely. Keith, since going to、uh, Tokyo, you've also found a newfound passion that involves、uh, making your own umeshu. Tell us more. Now, yeah, I think umeshu is you know just Japanese plums, which we get from we get it from a certain farm called Hara Farm in Wakayama Prefecture. So basically, you get plums just before they ripen. So we're sort of、uh, mid-May, end of May. You have a three-week window to sort of get these picked, and then、um, usually they will just infuse them with some crystal sugar and、uh, spirit. So like last year, first year we arrived, we were already making the brandy, and that was delicious. That's the one we've been using. Then we did a batch with、uh, Mictus whiskey last year, which is the one we are making this year. So we always do a trial batch, and、uh, so from probably December, January onwards, you guys. Whoever comes in will be drinking the Mictus Bourbon Umeshu until sort of next year, and then we are doing a trial run this year with also for next year. We're already planning that one. We did a yellow Chartreuse and green Chartreuse Umeshu, and the green, the yellow Chartreuse Umeshu. Apparently, it's the first time it's been done. Apparently, no pioneer, one's done. Pioneer. <laughs> it was a mistake. You know, we had a lot of plums, and we've got quite a lot of yellow Chartreuse and green Chartreuse. Bartenders in Singapore, I know you're all looking for Chartreuse. I know. Shortage. There's a shortage. Not here. Not making <laughs> offer. <laughs> yeah. So, like for sure, next year it will be, you know, then we'll be doing a yellow shatusu meshu. But then we are already thinking, then what are we gonna do the year after for 2025? So that one is still figuring out what goes with it. You know, I was thinking maybe a calvados is something that's been on my mind because、nice. it's got. That sour apple note that goes、uh, with a nice calvados, and、uh, with that sour plum, then you pretty much got a winner. But what's nice with a、uh, so we actually have a license for umeshu. I didn't know that, but you actually need a license to make umeshu to sell like we do. So technically, our team we are licensed umeshu makers. If you think about it, so that's. You're like certified umeshu maker. Yeah, certified. So I, I don't know how certified we are. We, just, <laughs> we sort of bluffed our way into this.、Well, it's there on paper. That's all that matters. I don't know. I need to actually. I should check in the one of the university if we can actually do a degree with it. I mean, a PhD in umeshu making. The、uh, art how, of umeshu. How brilliant would that be?、PhD. Oh, that should be your. That should be your next master class. The art of umeshu, as del- delivered by Keith Motsi. Yeah.、Certain Bring up boy Hara Farm, hundred and fifty kilos of one eight hundred Keith Motsi. Let's go. <laughs> Could you imagine LinkedIn professional umeshu maker? Oh my God! Yes, yes, do it. I'm gonna. Do I'm do actually、it. might have to put that up to see how far it <laughs> takes me in life. <laughs> Before I let you go, Keith, some advice for aspiring bartenders out there. What's your message for them? Honestly, it's like um, you know, take chances. You know, don't be afraid to jump in. You know, when an opportunity. Arises, sort of, you know, jump in the deep end. You know, you work it out. Life will figure itself out. Make your own path. Especially now, when we have so much access on like、um, social medias, we see a lot of successful people, and we always want to almost emulate them. Honestly, for me, it's like make your own path. There's only one of you. You're not them. So find something you, you know, do it your own way. There's no right or wrong way, and you know the work you put in now is probably you know you're gonna reap the rewards probably years from now. So don't dwell too much on like 
you know, you're not getting results now. You know, when you plant a seed, the tree doesn't grow tomorrow. You know, that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, I can see, especially now, where people, we want instant gratification. I want results, results now, 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 now. You know, it's, again, we go back to the bartender's bartender. Like, again, it was years of work sort of accumulating. It wasn't just sort of work done yesterday or the day before. It's been pretty much 15 years kind of in the making, right? Different places. So, you know, what you do now, you won't get the results today, but you might probably get five to 10 years from now. So you're in it for the long ride. If you're in it for the short haul, I'd say maybe find something else, find a different career, you know, because um, that's just the way it is. Our industry is moving fast, but for sure, make your own path. Don't expect instant results. The work you put in now, so it's kind of that, uh, I call it the interest rate, right? Mm -hmm. The more you put in, the more you kind of get, but you only get what, one, two, three, four, five percent from it. Exactly. But that's the way it is, you know. So if you put in the less you put in now, the less you're going to get. Simple, simple as that. So, you know, put in the work and then sooner or later, you're going to see the benefits and the rewards. You know, that's the most important. Work hard, be nice. It's free. That one is very, very free. Yeah. That's going to cost you nothing. You know, that's one of the most sort of understated things people always say, oh, be nice to everybody again we're all fighting our own battles right be kind be nice be genuine be authentic be yourself and follow your own path salute in the wise words of keith Motsi, who is currently the head bartender at virtue also beverage operations four seasons at tokyo at the otimachi in japan and also krug <laughs> ambassador forgot that <laughs> I know they never, I'm not a chef. They don't do, we need to uh, petition. Krug only does chefs for ambassadors. Oh, how ridiculous is that? But the most important, have fun. Don't forget to have fun and drink champagne, guys. You know, we'll see you in Tokyo. If you're all in Tokyo, please drop by. We have a list of recommendations. We are fun people. We might be five star, but you know, we are relaxed. Five star, you know.